0: Hi, this is Steve with Navigating Life as We Know It. I'm here with my co-host. Carrie. Hello. Today we talked to some folks at the Center for Independent Living in northern Alabama. It's a brand new organization. Davina, who we're interviewing, will explain what a CIL is, but they're throughout the whole country. Every state has them. Sometimes every county has them virtually. How did you find out about them? They contacted me. (gasps) How so? Yeah. Well, Davina is the uh, executive director there, and she wanted to get some good publicity, so she was contacting several people to do podcasts, and I was one of them, just to talk about them as a new organization. And what I see as relevant is this could be anywhere in the country. They have a large metropolitan area. Huntsville is the largest city in Alabama. Mm -hmm. And they have some very rural areas. A lot of rural. 13 counties altogether, and most of it is in a rural area. Now granted, the population is sparse, but the disability is present. And they did this during a pandemic. During a pandemic. The optimism, opening a new organization that is underserved in the area, and they have the challenges of pandemic you know in terms of covid they can't meet individually and personally and they exploit technology to its fullest use and they get out there and they met all their goals and they got qualified to open up as their own independent organization in about half the time or less than it was expected so they are really go-getters really neat let's let's listen to what they have to say let's hear all right Hi, and welcome to Navigating Life as We Know It. I'm your host, Steve Johnson, and today I have the honor of speaking with three individuals associated with the Disability Resource Network of Huntsville, Alabama. First of all, we have Davina Patterson, the Executive Director. Good morning, Davina.
1: Good morning. How are
0: you? I'm doing well. And then we have Deshaun Washington, a peer mentor. Good morning, Deshaun.
2: Good morning.
0: And Katie Toro, also a peer mentor. Good morning, Katie. Good morning. Davina, Disability Resource Network is a CIL, or a Center for Independent Living. And those appear in all 50 states and the territories across the United States, and there's many of them in some states. Your, the name of your organization is Disability Resource Network. Could you please explain for those who might not be familiar with a CIL, or a Center for Independent Living, what that kind of an organization does? Absolutely.
1: So a Center for Independent Living is a non-profit Non-residential, cross-disability, consumer-controlled organization.
0: Now, what does consumer-controlled mean?
1: Consumer control means that people with disabilities make the decisions, and they are employed and provide the direct services to the to the consumer, and it well for the centers. And it also means that the consumer is in control of their plan of care, their independent living goals, their independent living plans. We don't act as medical providers. We use the peer-to-peer model. So we let them establish their own plan, their own goals, and we assist them and support them in achieving those goals.
0: It sounds like uh, the same type of format for person-centered planning. It's all about the individual and their goals for life. Correct. Uh, How many CILs do you have in, in Alabama?
1: At this time, we currently have four centers for independent living in the state of Alabama.
0: Your organization, the Disability Resource Network in Huntsville, uh, which, by the way, I I did read recently, is now the largest city in Alabama. Your organization started in what year? Well, uh,
1: let's see. So we got our incorporation in January of 2021. Okay. Um, So we were considered to be incorporated and we were back, our nonprofit status determination was backdated to that incorporation date. So we actually did what we call a spinoff in October the 1st of 2021. So we began operating and functioning as an independent freestanding center for independent living effective October the 1st of 2021. However, we have, myself and Deshaun and Katie, have been on staff. And we've been working with the Centers for Independent Living, but what we had to do until we meet those requirements or those benchmarks that we could complete a spinoff, we had to work under the umbrella of another Center for Independent Living. So, with that data and that information, I would say that we actually, we we would use the spinoff date, which is October the 1st of 2021. The Birmingham Center for Independent Living is called Disability Rights and Resources. That's the center that was our supervising um, center or our mentoring center. We worked under their umbrella until we um, met our benchmarks and did a spin-off. So, yes, sir. Disability Rights and Resources is located in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, They service the counties um, within their region, and they're located in downtown Birmingham right across of the Civil Rights Museum.
0: So, really? Okay. That's pretty cool. Great center.
1: It's a model center. It's, it's the first center for independent living in the state of Alabama. So it started, it pioneered centers for independent living in our state.
0: Uh, for, for people not familiar with Alabama geography, you have the 13 northernmost counties in the state of, of Alabama. So Birmingham probably were servicing people up there until your organization started?
1: correct the birmingham center so birmingham is located in central alabama the central region of the state and prior to our center being started up the birmingham center they were still assigned their counties in their area and they were trying as hard as they can to provide services to the northern region of the state but it became um, a challenge for them to be responsible for their regions. And to also work the northern region of the state, so there was a need being established for a center here in the North Alabama region to service the consumers in this part of the state, the northern, North Alabama, Tennessee Valley region part of the state.
0: When a person moves into a leadership position with a new organization, they often bring with them certain ideas and dreams and plans. and kind of a fun thing because it's all new. You started this career in a year that could be described as anything but normal, okay, with COVID. That had to be quite a challenge in itself, but what did you learn in the first year that was unexpected?
1: Well, it definitely um, was something that I didn't foresee or something that I, you know, could have planned to to happen. But I can say that, you know, everything happened, it was perfect timing. Um, There definitely has been some challenges with providing in-person services and being visible in the community and having that presence in the community as we would have had pre-pandemic. However, technology has advanced and it's allowed us to be on several platforms that we could expand in our service area and even outside of our service area reach organizations, agencies, and consumers locally and globally, and even participate on a platform like like this and and get the word and the message out without having to do the the face-to-face or the leg work. However, in our industry, that is an important piece of what we do, being able to have that interaction, that intimacy, and that relationship but we've been able to achieve and meet our benchmarks and our milestones by fully operating
3: remotely.
0: How do you go about spreading awareness of the disability resource network in those counties where they might not know what you do?
3: Well, that's a good question. That's, that's a
1: very good question. I think that the North Alabama region has been very um, supportive and embracing of our center. Every time that I've, Reached out to someone and met with someone. They've been pretty receptive to what we're trying to do. So the support here is just awesome. They have a very support, uh, great support system. A lot of philanthropy, um, nonprofit, charity organizations here that really um, like working and collaborating and and helping uh, new businesses in the area. So so I do want to say that so one of the things that as a uh, non-profit organization we were seeing funding, state funding because we're a Part B center one of the things um, regarding marketing is that we can't use our grant funds to fund or to finance any type of marketing or advertising or PR we can't use it for that now when we have like fundraising, those type of funds, we can use that for those services. But we can't use our, uh, our state funds for, like you said, your marketing and your PR. So we really have to primarily build relationships and network and make connections with these media uh, publications and platforms such as yourself that really like highlighting and spotlighting new businesses and nonprofits. So that's how we've been able to market and get our name out in the community. We've also been able to do a lot of outreach. We do virtual calls with organizations in the agencies, and let them know that we're here in the community and the services that we can provide so that they can send referrals as well as holding community education trainings virtually, we do that as well. We attend these um, expos and nonprofit fairs. We also attend at the universities. They also have civic engagement fairs and community service fairs. So just being a part of those networks and being on their sign-up list or their informational list So they can let us know when the next opportunities or the next upcoming events are so that we can set up tables or so that we can be present to represent our organization and let the community know about what we do and, and the services that we offer. So that's pretty much what we've been able to do here at Disability Resource Network
2: at this time.
0: And it sounds like that would be very effective. Because you're going where the people are that need your services. And to the organizations that know those people, that are already working with them.
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: So what would you say has been your greatest success in the first year, the thing that you're most proud of?
1: The thing I'm most proud of is that we completed our spinoff. I started with the organization in 2020. Um, It took about a little over a year. They thought that it would take about two or three years for the center to to meet that benchmark and to be a freestanding center. So we met that in a, a little over a year, maybe about sixteen months. We were able to achieve that, so that's that's one of the biggest accomplishments that we've achieved so so
0: far. That sounds great. Uh, be two years ahead of schedule is kind of unheard of. So that's fantastic.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: and what what's been your biggest challenge?
1: the challenge I think it's something that we've already you know kind of pretty much talked about our biggest challenge has been forming in the middle of a pandemic that has been a very very big challenge however we we did it which which just ensures and confirms to me that we can do anything and that you know we have the we have the perfect team we have the the model center, we, we're located in the area where that's thriving and that we can achieve a lot. We can, we can do a lot. So, yeah, I think that's
3: awesome.
0: Davina, there are 13 counties that make up the service area for the Disability Resource Network. And you have some very rural areas along with Huntsville, which is now the largest city in Alabama. The pandemic had to be a huge challenge. But you told me also when we first spoke that internet coverage is spotty to non-existent in some areas.
1: Well, the technology definitely has been an issue. Um, I'll share with you about a individual that called me and he had to um, reveal to me that he had to go to a Starbucks to just feed off the Wi-Fi just to talk to me. And he lived in a rural county. So, that internet connection is definitely a challenge for our, our rural communities. Transportation is definitely a barrier. Um, people um, being able to travel to our center or to our office or even to to their doctor's appointment or just to do errands or just to get around. So transportation is definitely a, a barrier or a challenge. You yeah. know, the, the rural communities... Um, some of the resources that are available in our largest county, like Madison County, they may not be available to residents that live in Lawrence County or Marshall County. You know, They, they, are all, they only have the, those resources for the citizens that are in that county. So trying to provide them with assistance and resources, sometimes it can be challenging because it's limitations. And we get calls all throughout our region, and there are just certain counties where they just don't have enough resources. That's why we're working hard to enter into agreement and contract where we can get some support for these rural counties, these underserved and underserviced areas and communities.
0: That sounds like it may be a challenge for quite some time.
1: Yes, it is. Um, even before the pandemic, you know, they, those uh, areas were having issues. And now that we have the, the pandemic or that we're in the pandemic, you know, it's been intensified. So it's definitely a, a challenge to those that are in those rural counties. They still contact us, and sometimes they are, they're in desperate situations. You know, they're just in very unfortunate situations, and... We try as much as we can to to assist them, um, but it is a challenge. It definitely is.
0: The work you do is making a big difference in the lives of the people you serve. And I'm sure that your goal is to make those services available to even more folks.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And the housing is definitely an issue, the affordable and accessible housing. It's an issue, um, especially in the rural communities. Some people with disabilities would like to live in a, a better environment where they could function and operate as well because some of these housing, um, they, they haven't been modified. We're talking about countertop, ramps, um, cabinets, restrooms that just, they're, they're not accessible for people with disabilities, and then it's just very limited. Um, they, out of the units, there may be only two units that are accessible or. um people with disabilities so it's absolutely a, a challenge as well
0: what are the disability rights organizations do you have that you do network with
1: well we work with our other centers for independent living we collaborate them collaborate with them a lot um, our state independent living council um, people first of alabama we also work with the local health departments we do a lot of work with them and, and one of the things that you know, if we want to be accessible throughout the community, one of the things that the Centers for Independent Living kind of encourage is that we work also with other organizations and agencies that aren't just disability, um, because we want to get into those industries as well and not just be so confined to disability organizations. So... We are open to partnering with other civic and community and nonprofit human service organizations that are are similar to to ours as well. Um, Alabama Department of Public Health, you know, those are the agencies that we work with as well.
0: We have a long way to go, but I think there's many other organizations like public organizations that are looking very favorably upon the disability community, uh, maybe much more so than it would have been 10, 20 years ago even. Would welcome Would welcome partnering with you.
1: Yeah. You know, I get phone calls all the time. I got an email this week and I'm waiting to hear back from a colleague so that we can kind of look over everything together and make sure, but it, we've been getting a lot of offers and a lot of people that want to partner and collaborate and want us to take the lead on disability services and and disability rights, because we are new to the community and they like the work that we're doing and they see what we're doing and they want us to just give counsel or just to assist where needed or just to collaborate and partner with them so that we can work together to share this responsibility on decreasing some of the things that's occurring in the community. So I you know we we do get those phone calls a lot, those emails that communication is coming in for partnerships and collaborations because they they do recognize us as a leader in the disability community, and I think that's awesome. Um, I think that's wonderful being a, a new business. Um, I'm not sure of you know how many disability organizations are here, but I know, that our organization by us by being a cross disability organization and providing services to all people with people with all disabilities, that's very attractive to them and, and they want to to partner and work with us.
0: Well that's what the word network is all about in your title, isn't it? You know It is no one organization will have all the answers that people need. But having a network of organizations that do have solutions for the consumer is what this is all about. Do you ever have people get concerned about how they'll be able to pay for services?
1: Yes we, we get consumers that act and we get other organizations that act as well. Um, some, some of the organizations that we work with, they're on Medicaid waiver programs or they're on a fee-for-service program so they, they, when they contact us, they want to know, you know, if there are certain requirements, eligibility criteria that the consumer has to make before they make the referral. Um, so we get that a lot, and our answer is, at this time, our services are being provided under our, our funder, our grant. So our core services that we offer is free of charge to the consumer. You know, they're able to receive services, and to receive care um, as long as they are a person with a disability, and they don't have to prove their disability is available to anyone that self-identifies as a person with a disability. So we don't require any kind of medical record, we don't request any documentation, if a person self-identifies as a person with a disability, then our services are available to
3: that person.
0: Now, I got another question before I move on to talk to with Deshaun and Katie. Davina, let's say you came across a genie that granted you three wishes that could be fulfilled for the benefit of the Disability Resource Network. What would they be?
1: I think, you know, employment is a great thing. We need to employ more people with disabilities. I think employers need to offer more opportunities for people with disabilities and they need, to, they, they need to hire them. Not everyone with a disability wants to live on fixed on income. Some would like to have a competitive salary. They would like to have benefits outside of SSI and the, and the Medicaid benefits. So that, that would be one thing. And I would say uh, technology. We would love a satellite office in some of those rural counties. Um, if we could have an office there, that would be definitely a wish um, for me just so that we can have somewhere for the consumer to physically go to and for our staff as well to go to when we have to have um, intake or appointment with consumers in those areas. And I think the last one would be transportation. If we could maybe partner or have our own van or some some type of vouchers or tickets so that we could provide for our consumers. I think that that would be great as well.
0: Those sound like three wishes that if they were fulfilled would really help you guys serve your consumers better. Wise choices, Davina. I was talking with my youngest son yesterday about his brother, who is our our 33-year-old who has cerebral palsy and autism, and he's a wheelchair user. Poor communication skills. And we're talking about how he'll ever be able to live on his own. And my younger son probably has a clearer vision because he's not a parent. And parents have their own prejudices and preconceived notions. But he said, Dad, I see a time within the next five years or maybe sooner in which a person with a disability can call an Uber line and a driverless vehicle will pick him up and take him to where he wants to go and automatically bill it to Medicaid. And I thought, wow, that's a great idea. I mean, it solves the problem for the urban consumer or the rural consumer. Of course, the only problem is going to be paying for that. But the benefits to the disability community would be huge. Absolutely. I think I know the answer to this last question just because of your enthusiasm and your background. Davina, what keeps you motivated?
1: Oh man, you know, we're in the middle of a crisis. This is a, a critical time and it just keeps me motivated. It keeps me motivated to close that gap. You know, it's such a, a huge disparity, a, a large gap in people with disabilities living independently, the limited resources and services that are that are available to them. So that keeps me motivated to... Just keep going and keep pressing to make sure that we have adequate amount of resources, support, so that we can keep innocent independent living alive and that we can keep hope alive for, for people with, with disabilities and to also have these success stories. We need more of them. We need to, to close these uh, gaps that are related, such as homelessness, These transportation issues, technology issues, you know, all of that keeps me me motivated.
0: Well, some will come sooner than others, and some might take some time yet, but it's wonderful that we have individuals like you that won't give up because that's what it takes. It takes that kind of a patience and determination, and it sounds, Davina, like you have got it, and you got a couple good people to work with. Moving on to Deshaun and Katie, I have a, a question and I have a couple questions and they're for both of you. You have awesome resumes. I mean the work you do is and the work you've chosen to do uh, really makes a huge difference in the lives of other people. And from our previous conversation, I know your hearts are in the work. You're both peer mentors, so you have some street cred because as a disabled person yourself it's you've got that credibility in talking to someone else. Easy for someone a neurotypical to try to give advice and and mentorship, but it's not quite the same. And so you have a deep understanding of the challenges faced by those that you serve. So a question for both of you, tell me a bit about the work that you do. I'm sure there's some similarities and maybe some differences in the clients you serve. Deshaun, let's start with you.
2: So I'm I'm a peer advocate, and I help individuals with transportation needs, housing, social skills, life skills, and, um, like, um, just everything to motivate them and get them to live everyday life as
0: normal as they can. And how do you find out what it is that they need? Um, normally we get them, like, try to get them from high school
2: because, you know, some of them want to attend college Okay, and, uh, meet college needs, like, uh, you know, help with taking notes and stuff like that. We try to start them at least at an early, you know, early age while they're in school.
0: I'm sure that it must make a big difference that someone comes alongside them and says, what do you want to do with your life and how can we help you? Sometimes people don't hear that very often. It's got to be very reassuring, very uplifting for them. What about you, Katie?
3: Um, I do um, about the same thing, does um, I start off with information about girls. I see what their needs are. Um, I actually, I I, um, do share a little bit about my personal stuff, about being disabled myself, Um, and that usually opens the door um, for them to be more open with me. And um, also, like right now, I have one who I started from the bottom, teaching them how to be independent living skills, and he's um, about to move into his own house, actually. So I'm excited about that. That's the one. But, you know, I I meet each person where they're at, and I've had from, you know, the age group that Sean's talking about to elderly people. Each consumer's different. So I'm having to change my direction for every person I speak with. I get a lot of them that, um, a lot of them are like, Well, what should I do, Katie? And I'm like, well, what do
0: you want, though? Yeah, I think that in many cases, people with disabilities have been told what they can do or been relying upon other people to give them advice rather than following their heart. I love the expression you use, uh, uh, meet them where they are, because each situation is different. And that's, that's how you gain, I guess, credibility and trust also is to turn the focus back on what they want. Now there are both, there's two of you, right? And you got 13 counties. Does that <laughs> present some challenges in itself? <laughs> now you don't have any particular areas where each one of you work separately. You both work together in in all 13 counties.
3: visa usually gives us individually our consumers, so we've got a good system going that works evened out. So. We
0: don't get overwhelmed because there's thirteen funny. Yeah, that's a lot. People that have limits imposed on their choices are the ones that probably say, "What should I do, Katie?" <laughs> uh, over a lifetime, can develop a vision problems. In other words, not a matter of eyeglasses. They they can't see themselves doing something different because they have not ever thought it possible. Uh, at least some people do how do you help those people um focus on what is possible when they've been used to being allowed to do things and and not pursuing a dream or an interest how do you spark that that creative thought as to what i want to do about my life or with my life well
2: a lot of times that we have to like e- explain A lot of times we have to explain our disability Mm -hmm. and, you know, open, talk to them to get them to open up, you know, to tell them that they're not alone, they're not the only person, you know, in the situation like that and try to at least motivate them into taking, you know, one step at a time and slowly, you know, getting to things that they're interested in that maybe they weren't interested at the time or if... You know, they didn't know if they would be able to do anything. So we try to at least, you know, motivate them in
0: that way first to get them to open up a little bit more and express themselves. And that, that can happen when you build trust first, yeah, but it might not work so fast unless yeah. you build that trust.
2: Oh, no. Sometimes, sometimes it takes a
0: couple of times of talking to them and yeah. meeting with them just to get them
2: to finally open up in some way.
0: Katie, anything they're, different for you?
3: Both guys, both guys every few weeks. Both um cases every few weeks. I'll just um out of the blue give them a call and check on them. And um you know it starts to get them loosened up to open up some more with me. I'm like, say, okay, do you want to do something now? Sometimes they say yes, sometimes they'll be like, oh, eh. and I'll be like, but I'm not giving up. I'll talk
0: to you soon. You have my office number, and you have my email. You know, it's nice to just give someone a call once in a while. That doesn't seem to be like a scheduled visit or something, because that does tell them that you are thinking and you care about them. That's that's a great thing to do. Parents uh, can be the greatest advocate, and they do wonderful things, fighting for the kids. But they can also be the greatest obstacle uh, when it comes to the life of their their child with a disability when you see the realistic expectations of a parent interfering with the dream expectations of a young person with disability how do you handle that Uh, parents don't want their kids to be hurt so they they ask them not to dream too big Uh, but sometimes that dreaming big is what it takes to get them to move and to pursue a goal yes we uh we we do we have to deal with you know
3: some
2: parents and you know we try to You know, explain to them that we're here to help them to be able to go out into the world and not be afraid and, you know, try to live their life without always having to depend on somebody just because of the, you know, situation. And sometimes we try to explain to the parents, you know, sometimes they don't want to hear it. And you got sometimes that you just have to just keep telling them that, you know, you don't want to hinder them and get them to be
0: afraid to move on or, like you said, dream be. That's got to be a challenge. Most of the young adults that I have met with disabilities have dreams that exceed what their parents have for them. They're under the control of their parents by living at home. It's really hard for them to experience that, and that's where the housing, I think, becomes really important. Sometimes they have to get away. Yeah,
2: and sometimes they get afraid because it's like, well, if I try to move on, you know, make my parents probably going to be mad that, you know, I'm thinking about trying to move out. So, you know, you have them also, you know, kind of scared to tread the water,
0: you know, with their parents, so, you know, sometimes yeah. so they won't say anything. But to be able to make their own decisions and live on their own terms is something which is just respecting of a human being. Anything else about mentorship?
3: I just for them to, you know, buy reminding them that it's about them and saying, what do you want to do? Not what do your parents want to do. It's what do you want to do in, um, are my main goals when I'm working with individuals. And those are, you know, questions I have to ask my personal self. I have to, you know, when we're working with people and they have their parents who are constantly... They're constantly saying to me, parents said that I don't need to do this or I can't do this. Or, and I'm like, well, what do you want to do?
0: Are you able to speak with them without their parents what? around?
3: Yes, we we'll speak with our um, consumers individually. Um, and actually, it's up to the consumer if they want their parents to be in the room. And if the consumer says no, we have to ask the
0: parent. I know you've got a challenging job and I'm just thankful that we have got people as dedicated as you out there working with individuals with disabilities and, and, and encouraging them to, to pursue their own dreams. So I have one last question for all three of you. And again, I'm doing an imagination thing here. If we could get in a time machine and set that date for 2032, 10 years in the future, when you step out of that time machine, what do you want to see people with disabilities doing, and how do you want them to be living?
2: So I want to see more people with disabilities, I guess, out involved in the community, like, you know, to see them, you know, out and about transportation-wise and having services for them to be out into the world with everybody else.
3: Katie? That's exactly what I was going to say, just being able to see more people with disabilities out in our community. Because I, I, personally, I wanted to be, like,
2: I'll begin the example. I, I want it to be like New York City. Like I want to be able to see like people in wheelchairs, scooters, you know, just walking down the street, you know, doing nightlife and just hanging out with everybody. I want to be able to see that, you know, across the street. You got people in skateboards, wheelchairs, scooters, walking, just everybody mixed up together. Just you know, enjoying them
0: too. Yeah. Enjoying each other's humanity, not trying to find out how we're different. Cause there's too many things that connect us and make us the same. I want to thank you guys very much for your time with me today. Thank you, Davina, Deshaun and Katie.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
4: Hi, this is Carrie, and this is the Chat Cafe portion of our podcast, and I'm here with Steve. Hi. And we're just going to kind of do a recap of what we just listened to. But before we get into that, I really want to encourage our listeners to check out the biographies on the people that we interviewed today. We didn't really discuss it much, but oh my gosh, and the enthusiasm that they come across with. Anyway, what was your takeaway with some of this stuff, Steve?
0: Well, my takeaway was uh, many people could sit there and take a look at the challenges, a pandemic and a rural area and all this. A lot of rural. And there's only three of them. They got Davina, the executive director, and they got two uh, mentors. uh, Peer mentors. Peer mentors. Right. This seems like a lot of work. But you know what? They all have such great enthusiasm and such great sense of helping people that this might be in Alabama, and maybe it doesn't relate, some people think, to other states, but... I think it's very much relatable. Right. The rural challenges they have in terms of reaching people, 13 counties. Right. And most of it is rural territory. And now, I know that a lot of this was done due to a
4: grant that they received. Yes. And they're working through that. hazard of them. Yep. Um, and they just keep plugging away. But they've also done fundraisers because Davina mentioned... The grant money won't pay for marketing. Must fundraise in order to market, to get the word out, to get out to these communities. I know they gotta, they gotta drive or they've gotta get a ride to get to where the
0: technology is. But once they do, look out. You know, when she said it was great timing, and everything came together oh. and they got great responses from the community. yes, uh, you know, if you look at something in a positive way, you will get more positive results than if you' looking at it from a negative absolutely and, and all three of them are very positive people,
4: yes, I mean, I loved when when Katie said, "I meet them where they are. that yeah. is just so amazing, and they're they continue to encourage their clients to dream to, well, what do you want to do? It's not what does mom or dad say I can do or the program say I can do. They're encouraging clients
0: to dream. And, you know, if you have grown up most of your life, if not all of your life, being told what your limitations are, reminded subtly with the people around you that, well, you know, you're in a wheelchair. Well, you have this condition or that and you can't do this and don't expect that. It's really difficult sometimes to expect people to come out with what they want out of life. But I love how both Deshaun and Katie went back and says, well, okay, it might take some time, but what is it that you want? And when they hear what comes out of their mouth of the clients about what their parents expect, yeah, but what do you want? Yeah, They kept coming back to that. What is it what you, you want? you want? I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And when she mentioned about meeting clients where they are, of course, it's not always young people with disabilities. They have older clientele. They have a, a wide variety of people that yeah. they, they need to work with. Yep. So cool. I, I hope that somebody with deeper pockets than ours that was listening to this and decided that maybe they need a van or maybe they need um, access to an office someplace and, and maybe, maybe one or two at least available to them to meet people at, share an office with somebody if they can, but have a place to go. You have to have a confidential conversation. You can't do it at a McDonald's or at a coffee shop,
4: right? Starbucks. Uh, you got you've got to be yeah. some
0: place where you can talk freely and confidentially because they're asking some rather personal questions about what their goals and aspirations are. And sure, maybe you don't want your neighbor to hear that, you know. Right. So an office sounds like it's something that's very, very important. Oh, and it wonderful. meets the transportation limitations of some of their clientele at least halfway because they'll be closer to them.
4: Right. I love that you asked the, the question of, you know, what would your goals be if there was a, a, a magic wand and, biding, you could have it. And I love to hear the responses, the, what the goals they chose. Um, uh, you know, it was really, Davina, was just very clear on.
0: Yes, More jobs for people, more (laughs) jobs for people, better transportation for people. That is so cool. And an Internet system that works for everyone.
4: Yes. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yes. And in this day and age, why don't we have that? We've got satellites up in the world checking on every single thing that
0: we do. You know, Internet connection used to be kind of a luxury and now it's very much necessity. It should be, especially should when be. something like a pandemic comes along, and it, it it points out a lot of limitations in terms of human interaction. Having that is critical, and it's always been that way for people with disabilities. Let's face it. Yes, we've the, been on you know in isolation for quite some time anyway. Right, if you live with disability.
4: Yes, and the and the access to the internet and the availability of that has really opened my eyes in terms of, uh, you know, this is really kind of sort of making it a little bit easier for Liam to maybe live independently Mm -hmm. because we can set up subscriptions on his day-to-day needs. We can set up delivery of items that are necessary for him. He's not, not, shopping is not a biggie for him. It's just not something, he will do it. But he doesn't love it. So if he can just pick things and say, I want this, 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 okay, send it to the house, bada bing, bada boom. We did not have this five years ago.
0: No. And, you know, when it comes to also employment, it increases employment opportunities for yes. people with disabilities. Yep. And for, for Liam, who might not have outside employment, uh, for security and for confidence with other family members... You have electronic devices you can hook up. Alexa does amazing things. Plus, you can have sensors that can indicate when a door is being opened that maybe it shouldn't so that family can be uh, alerted that there's security. Alerted, all. yep. All those things are relatively new. Yes. But now it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How yeah. cool. And to put things in perspective. I thought push-button phones were really, really cool (laughs) when they first came out, remember? (laughs) Dude, stop! foot phones, stop! (laughs) Stop! Stop. Brick phones,
4: whatever! Yeah, and a remote phone was having a
0: (laughs) 12-foot cord on a kitchen (laughs) shelf. But today, it's just amazing what can be done. And that, with the proper internet connection, is available in the most rural territories, and the urban territories. It's a oh, great equalizer. So I really hope they're able to establish that because that it's going be to help great. Davina and her crew yes. do a better job for the clientele. Very cool. And that the definitely, they got the right crew there. They got some. They really do. amazing people.
4: Kudos to them. As I hope I'm,
0: sometime I can meet them in person because I'm just eager to, to discuss more about what they do.
4: I just want that that uh, energy to rub off.
0: Yeah. Right? Well, you know, that's something that there. I think you have to get the people born with it sometimes. And Davina definitely comes in there with a, wow, what a great opportunity. There's a pandemic going on, but we can use technology. You Let's know? try it. There might be some problems, but we'll get over it. And, Let's you know, I'm sure they had things happen that were discouraging. But when you come back with the idea that, hey, we can make this work. We can do it this way. Might We learn one way that didn't work, but let's try this way to make sure that uh, that will work better. Indeed. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you very much for listening. Thank and you. we hope you tune back in. If you ever want to get in touch with us, have a comment, you can email us at contactnlawki.com, contactnlawki.com. Email goes right to our producer, and we can respond to any questions you have. Please subscribe and listen to us. Indeed. Thank you. Thank you. Wait, don't go away yet. If you like this podcast and want to support us, please hit like, make a comment, and subscribe. Also, if you'd like to support the show a little bit further, you can make a one-time contribution or join our coffee club. With a monthly subscription, you get exclusive access, special content, And special mention on our credits, go to www.ko-fi.com nlawki. That's www.ko-fi.com slash n-l-a-w-k-i. Kofi, don't forget that. It's like coffee, but just spelled a little bit differently. And again, thanks for listening. We do this for you, and we're so grateful for you.
1: Steve and Carey have been your hosts. My name is Alex and I'm the producer
2: of Inlocky. Daniela handles all of our social media and general communications and Holly is our website guru and mistress of the blog. Thanks for tuning into our podcast and please like, follow,
1: subscribe, and share our podcast to help us grow. You're the best.
3: This has been a production of Envision Media Group, LLC.